0: This morning, the name of the message is An Inside-Out Mentality. This morning, I want to talk to you about what it means to have an inside-out mentality. For a believer, an inside-out way of thinking always starts from understanding the spiritual reality that Jesus lives on the inside of us. And he has already provided everything we need for salvation, for life, and for godliness. And as we walk and think in agreement with the truth we are able to enjoy all that the kingdom of God has for us. But our natural thinking can sometimes interfere with us walking in all that Jesus has paid for. Natural thinking is an outside-in mentality. Natural thinking believes what it sees and what it feels. It's entirely natural world-oriented. Natural thinking says, I'm sick and I'm trying to get well. An inside out mentality says, I'm a well person, resisting sickness. It's a completely contrary mentality to natural thinking. When we talk about having a certain kind of mentality, what we're really talking about is a mindset. According to an online dictionary, a mindset consists of the ideas and attitudes with which a person approaches a situation especially when those ideas and attitudes are seen as being difficult to alter. A mind that is set is like hardened cement. It's fixed and stubborn. The word set itself actually means to be habitually or stubbornly fixed. In fact, a mindset is not easily changed. A mindset is not flexible. A mind that is set refuses to be moved or changed. A fixed mindset isn't moved by logic or reason. It's not moved by facts or feelings. A mind that is set has a predetermined belief system that is constantly being reinforced. And that's because a mindset that is set only listens to what it already knows. It won't accept new information. It won't accept counter information. A good example of fixed thinking or a fixed mindset would be our political preferences. (laughs) Being a Republican or a Democrat usually means we align ourselves with those particular belief systems that agree with what we already believe. And politically speaking, these belief systems are usually passed down generation to generation. And so often these days, young people who are voting have no clue what they're voting for. They want to vote for a person that they like, not a value that they have. So they let their parents or their friends or their school give them their political identity. So most of them are already pre-programmed when it comes to political issues. And it would actually take an act of God to change their political views. Think about somebody trying to change your political view. Uh -uh, It's fixed. It's stubborn. (laughs) And it will take an act of God to change it. (laughs) That is a fixed mindset. Now having a fixed mindset can be a good thing, or it can be a bad thing. It can work for us, or it can work against us. It all depends on where our mind is set. For believers, what we often find is that our natural mindsets are working against us. And we often do not recognize it until we start reaping some of the consequences of natural thinking. The last time I ministered, I told you about my experience with fat fasting. I was using healthy fat to be able to abstain from eating solid food for longer periods of time without having to fight physical hunger. It works really well. But what I didn't expect was that my brain would be fighting me (laughs) every step of the way. Even though I had decided I'm going to fast this way, I'm going to change my body's way of handling sugar, my brain said, no you're not, I have already trained it to eat when I usually eat, and eat what I usually eat. (laughs) So it was already fixed. And so I had to fight my natural thinking. See, our brains are designed to keep us alive at all costs. Now, that's generally a good thing. That's what it's designed to do, to keep us alive at all costs. So when I changed how much I was eating, my brain said, no, you are starving us, even though I wasn't. (laughs) And it objected. That's natural thinking. This kind of fighting that was going on inside of me is actually a spiritual warfare. It is the spiritual fighting the natural. Now the natural thoughts I was thinking were not evil thoughts. And a lot of times when people think about natural thoughts, because it's in the realm of the natural, under the influence of the prince of the power of the air, it's all natural, it's pre-programmed, either they think it is all okay or all bad. So you have to distinguish between what natural thoughts coexist in peace with God's thoughts and which ones are contrary to God's thoughts. The natural thoughts that are produced in our self-centered brain, because our brains are self-centered, our brains are designed to always keep us first place. Our brain says the most important thing in the world is that I keep you alive and happy. (laughs) Unfortunately, our brains can be very wrong about what we actually need. Addiction, for example, has more to do with the brain than it does with the body. A doctor can detox an alcoholic or a drug addict so that the body no longer demands those substances. But what happens is the detox doesn't change the brain. So even though they might want to be free from those substances, their natural thoughts will provoke them to reintroduce the same substances because the brain is always trying to keep body happy our body is very trainable our brain is trainable but when we train our body and brain to depend on certain things like alcohol or nicotine or drugs or sugar everybody loves sugar (laughs) the brain will try to keep the body happy and in a happy place by producing the corresponding thoughts so when I took sugar away from my body it had a fit (laughs) it says no you've trained me to like sugar how dare you take it away So then we as believers end up fighting with our natural thoughts because they really are contrary to what God is thinking. Our natural mindsets are formed by all that this natural world has taught us and that is the problem. (laughs) Everything we have ever learned is in our brain. All the pre-programming we've gotten from school, from our parents, from our churches, we have a lot of programming that gets stuck in our head and it takes an act of God to change it. (laughs) So all of this natural wisdom, natural understanding is what our brain produces for us. It produces it naturally. We don't have to try to think of natural thinking. Our brain will just automatically produce that which is natural according to what's already in our head. It will go in there and make the calculations. It will go in there and find the wisdom. It will bring to you what you've already put in over the years. The problem with this is, of course, is that it's all natural knowledge, for the most part. And it is contrary to the truth of who God is, and who the truth is about who we are in Him. In Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, God says this, My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Now, when God spoke these words, he spoke them to naturally-minded people whose only source of knowledge was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was their only source of knowledge except for the law and the prophets. The way their brain works is only gathering the natural knowledge that has already been put in there. They didn't have God on the inside, so they didn't have the mind of Christ. And most people back then didn't hear or know the voice of God for themselves. They only knew it through the law and the prophets. It was more about regulations than it was about relationship. So God was saying to naturally minded men whom he loved with an everlasting love, my thoughts are so much better than yours. (laughs) My thoughts are so much higher than yours. And it's true today. He still says it to us. The way I think is so contrary to the way natural human beings think. My thoughts are so much better and so much higher than yours, the natural thoughts. And that's why it's so important for us to know and recognize the voice of God for ourselves. Because His thoughts are so much better than ours. Our natural thoughts are limited to the natural world, it's natural wisdom, and unfortunately it's natural outcomes. The supernatural doesn't come out of walking in the natural. Our Father wants so much better for us. so. After my last message, I started wondering how much of my thinking is merely natural thinking. I hadn't thought about my natural thinking until it started arguing with me. (laughs) I thought, oh, maybe I should be doing a lot more arguing. Maybe I'm not thinking the thoughts of God because I'm allowing my natural thinking to take over. Natural thinking is not necessarily evil, it's just natural but it's a lower level of thinking. God says, but my thoughts are supernatural. My thoughts are way above what you can think on your own. We need his thoughts to come into our agreement with his thoughts so that we can live not at a low level, but at a high level of the supernatural. So it's a difference between slave thinking versus royalty thinking, sonship thinking. Our thinking produces what's in our life. I used to not like that thought. What do you mean my thinking produces what's in my life? Because if I look in my life, I go, eh, it could be better. <laughs> According to the words, then I need to look at how I'm thinking. In Romans chapter 8, verses 4 through 8, it says this. This is the Apostle Paul, and he says, Because of Christ, the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. I love that part. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. After means simply according to. That is the natural thinking versus the spiritual thinking. Verse 5, for they that are after the flesh do think about the things of the flesh. They do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after or walking according to the spirit have the thoughts of the spirit. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death. That's a harsh statement. There's no wiggle room If our thoughts are carnal, we're not going to be producing the life of Christ in that area of our life. If our thoughts are carnal, they need to be transformed by the Spirit, because the Spirit gives life. It continues, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. There is a direct correlation between what's in our life and what's in our head. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, it's hostile, it's contrary, it's rebellious, The natural man does not want to submit itself to anything other than itself. (laughs) The self wants to have its own way all the time. I always think about Joyce Meyer. What about me? What about me? What about me? That's the flesh. (laughs) That's our natural thinking. Because natural thinking always puts yourself first. It's hostile to God, who is love, who is always other-oriented. Anyway, it goes on. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. The law of God here is not referring to the law of Moses. In verse 2 of the same chapter, the Apostle Paul says, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's our law. That's where we're supposed to be walking, in the spirit that produces life. The carnal mind always puts itself first, therefore it cannot submit to this law, which is Christ first. So natural thinking doesn't think about Jesus first. It thinks about itself and what it wants and what makes it happy before it thinks about God. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Right here the apostle Paul takes a turn. He's telling us about believers, you can have natural thinking, carnal thinking, or you can have spiritual thinking, and those kinds of thinkings produce what's in your life. And he talks about following after the flesh or following after the spirit. Different kinds of thinking. But right here, he makes a distinction about who is doing the thinking. And that's why he says, so then they that are in the flesh, in the flesh means not born again. The only resource you have is natural. There is no support in your natural. You are of the flesh, you are unborn again. And that flesh cannot, cannot please God. Verse nine, but you are not in the flesh. I wish someone had told me this years ago. Because I thought i jumped jump in and out of Jesus all the time. In the flesh, in the spirit, in the flesh, in the spirit. No, that's not true. We are in the spirit. We are stuck there. We can't get out. <laughs> he has made us one with his spirit. We do not jump in and out of Jesus. We do jump in and out of natural thinking. But who I am always remains the same. I am one with Christ. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. This is the most basic definition of what a Christian is. Do you got Jesus? Bottom line, I don't care how you were baptized or if you were baptized. I don't care if you were circumcised or not circumcised. I don't care what church you go to. Do you got Jesus? That's the definition of a believer. Do you got Jesus? The word carnally in verse 6 is the Greek word sarx. And it refers to the physical flesh and the meat of an animal, very graphic, (laughs) think of a nice piece of steak, (laughs) that's flesh. By implication though, it refers to that which is exterior physically, as opposed to what is interior, what we are in our spirit. So when he says carnally minded, it is somebody who is outside minded. That's where their source of thinking is, only what is natural. So to be carnally minded is to be outside-minded, physically-minded, naturally-minded, whereas to be spiritually-minded is to be focused on the interior spiritual reality, which is us being seated in heavenly places with Jesus Christ, co-ruling and co-reigning, but not from somewhere way up in the sky. So much of our natural thinking has drifted over. It sort of has melded itself into our spiritual understanding. So often when we say we rule and reign with Christ, we kind of see ourselves way off in heaven somewhere with Jesus because we know the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are all there, but we forget that they're all here too. (laughs) And so we get this God's far away mentality. That's natural thinking. We rule and reign from the kingdom's spiritual reality that the kingdom is already within us. When Jesus came to earth, heaven came to earth. When Jesus came to live inside of us, he brought his kingdom and all of his power and all of his presence and all of his authority. All that he is came to live inside. It's all inside of us, an inside-out mentality. The kingdom of God, the rule of God, and the authority of God, the authority of heaven, isn't far away somewhere. It's right inside of us. We have to have an inside-out mentality. We live out of that reality that's on the inside of us. But the carnally minded believer sees things from a purely natural perspective, outside in, even in respect to God. How many of us think of God the Father as being far away in heaven? I say, I know the truth. Is God everywhere present? Yes. But when I think of Father God, do I think of him right here in my heart? No. I think of him way over there in heaven somewhere. It's natural thinking. And if you saw some of the movies I saw growing up, God is a very old man who lives in a place you don't get to go to till you die. With all natural thinking. God never ages. And he's a spirit. And Jesus never ages. And he has a body. So there's nobody old in heaven. (laughs) Natural thinking. Natural thinking. And we don't have to wait to die to go to heaven. Heaven has already come to us. This kind of natural thinking, this outside-in mentality, can really mess up our praying. Natural thinking says, I don't have what I need. God, please do something. God, please bring me. God, this. God, that. That is an outside-in mentality. But the spiritual inside-out thinking says, everything is mine in you. And you live in me. The kingdom of God is within me, therefore I can use my authority and call those things forth out of my spiritual kingdom into physical manifestation. But even when we know the truth of the kingdom within us, sometimes that natural thinking can get the best of us. It just sneaks in. You know why it sneaks in? Because it's natural. We have natural thinking and we have spiritual thinking. Some natural thinking, not so good. Other natural thinking fits perfectly with God. We live in a natural body and in a natural world, so yes, we're going to have some natural thinking. One day this past week, I received a phone call from somebody who was in distress, and they were asking for advice. So we talked for a few minutes, and I gave them my opinion, and Then we concluded our conversation, and I hung up the phone. And then I went to pray for them. But see, I had entered into their distress. You know what happens when you pray out of distress? See, distress is not spiritual. Distress is natural. You see, it wasn't about sympathizing or having compassion. I entered into my friend's distress. And so I started to pray really stupid. (laughs) You see, I wanted to help this person. I wanted to take away their distress. I wanted to fix their situation. So when I started to pray, because my mind was set in distress, outwardly, not inwardly kingdom-minded, I started saying, oh, please, God. Oh, please, God, do this. Oh, please, God, help them. Oh, please, God. And in about 20, 30 seconds of this, the Holy Spirit said, this is dumb praying. <laughs> this is dumb. This is not powerful. This is not effective. What are you doing? I thought, you know what? I know better than this. I know better than this. This is not how I normally pray, but I had entered into somebody else's natural thinking. I got stuck there for a minute. (laughs) And it doesn't produce the kind of power we want in our lives. So I prayed in the spirit for a little bit because my mind was over here in the flesh. I'm going to pray in the spirit, okay, Holy Spirit, let's pray started to, and build myself up on my most holy faith because <laughs> i was not inside the kingdom thinking i was over here in distress thinking praying in the spirit for a few minutes and then i started declaring the kingdom realities over my friend you are comforted peace is yours and direction is yours and answers is yours wholeness is yours how dare you Satan, come and make this person distressed <laughs> i forbid it in the name of jesus i forbid it <laughs> i went from outside natural thinking which brought powerless praying to inside the kingdom thinking that says, "I have the power and authority to release, to speak into these situations and change them. And if they don't change right away, yeah, I'm just going to keep speaking because you are going to submit to the power of God." Amen. <laughs> so I had the choice: I could pray out of my natural mind, which was distressed, or I could pray out of my spirit in tongues, and then by faith and release the kingdom realities that I knew belong and inside of me and inside of that other person. The truth is, as believers, we have received the fullness of God through Christ. And we have access to God's kingdom, power, authority, His favor, His love. We have it all. Everything in Him is ours. One of the things I learned years ago was the difference between praying from a place of faith and praying from a place of fear. I think it was Kenneth Copeland told this story, that he was with a group of believers in California, in LA, and the traffic was horrible. And so they had all these different places they had to go. And every time they got into the vehicle, they would all take hands together, and rebuke the fear, and rebuke the accidents, and rebuke all this bad stuff. They would say amen, and they would go to the next stop. and They did this every time they got in the car. And I was like, well, isn't that what they're supposed to do, though, Lord? Aren't they supposed to pray about what they're afraid about? He goes, yeah, but they never got around to receiving anything. Faith says, I already have what I've asked for. Okay? Yes, I am afraid. These people drive crazy. But Father, the truth is, the kingdom reality is, I have your protection. I am covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I decide the day I die. I am not dying today. (laughs) We have to release the truth and receive it. release it. Yes, if you're afraid, pray. But pray in the spirit and build yourself up on your most holy faith so that when you open your mouth, the kingdom is released. Not only do we have access to the kingdom, we also have a responsibility to bring God's kingdom into reality in our own lives and in the lives of others. In God giving us the kingdom, he has given us purpose. We are meant to display God's kingdom realities to others. The Jesus in us is supposed to shine for everybody else to see. We're supposed to walk in our kingdom power, our kingdom authority, but it takes a whole different kind of thinking. It starts from the inside. It's already finished, working that finished work out into the natural realm. So it all begins with having an inside-out mentality. We need to remember that we start, always start, from the victory. We already are more than conquerors and we are called to push back the powers of darkness and to stand and destroy all the power of the enemy that we come in contact with. Now, when we read the Old Testament and even the Gospels, we see that everything was outside-in oriented. God had to deal with mankind from an outside-in mentality. The Jews were taught that if they touched a dead body, the uncleanness that dead body contaminated them they became unclean so all of their righteousness was outside in and all of their unrighteousness was outside in so for them it was if you do bad you are bad (laughs) if you do good you are good being good brings blessing and doing bad brings the curse whatever you did out here brought that life into your sphere (laughs) into your life so it was always outside in oriented. And the truth is, that's the way the world works. The world says if you work hard, you'll be able to provide for yourself. God says no, you've already been provided for, now walk in agreement with what I have for you. Now that may be a job, and that may be an inheritance, or that may be something else, but he says you have to know and believe you have received your provision and that you walk in agreement with how that comes forth, but that we know that it's already ours. It's a finished work. Even correction from God in the Old Testament was always outside in. When the Jews would walk completely away from God, God would let their enemies come and overtake them so that he could get them back on course. (laughs) They had to bring forth the Messiah. And I like this because it was all outside oriented. Hello, the salvation of all mankind was dependent upon them following the plan. God had to let them reap what they sowed so that they would come back and get in line with the plan of God. God wasn't being mean. God was saying, I'm going to save all of mankind whether you like it or not. (laughs) And that's what he was doing through the Jews. He was bringing forth the Christ. But it was always outside in. You see, God punishing us from the outside in is an old covenant mentality. God doesn't correct us with bad stuff. Correction comes from the inside, from the kingdom. The enemy loves to attack us. Let's just be real. He's a real enemy. But God doesn't use the enemy to correct us. The Holy Spirit corrects us. And it's going to be correction from the inside out. Now, if we are rebellious and we insist on walking in the flesh and thinking in the flesh, guess what's going to happen? God will let you reap what you sowed. (laughs) But it's not God punishing. God doesn't punish us. But if we insist on having our way, he will let us. Because he never overrules us. He never overrules us. When we read the Old Covenant and we read the Gospels, we have to remember that God was dealing with those people from an outside-in mentality. Because that's the only kind of mentality they had. Even the Holy Spirit was always outside of them, ministering to them. But under the New Covenant, We have been given the very mind of Christ so that we can think the very thoughts of God. But our natural minds will still produce natural thoughts that are contrary to God's thoughts. And we have to know that. You see, here I was trying to do some fasting, never thinking I was going to be fighting with my own brain. I thought I would be fighting with my stomach. (laughs) My stomach, because I gave it healthy fats, was perfectly happy not to eat, but not my brain. And so it is with natural thinking. It sneaks in because it's just so darn natural. (laughs) We're so used to it. So our mind is always in need of a little bit of renovation. Often there's too much of the old natural thinking floating around in our head. And we fall into natural thinking because we live in a natural world and a natural body. So it's just easy to have natural thoughts. But what we need when we have natural thoughts is to be able to distinguish them from what is natural and what is supernatural, what is of the Holy Spirit. And the best way to do that is to go to God and say, God, where where is this thinking coming from? Is this from me? How many of you do that? Is this me, God? Is this you, God? Yeah, everybody does that. Is this me, God? Is this you, God? Sometimes it's me. <laughs> Bottom line, sometimes it's me. and <laughs> I need the Holy Spirit to help me see that it's me thinking that way. In um, Chapter 11, the Apostle Paul extols the majesty of God's thoughts because that's what we need in our life is God's thoughts. And as he presents this amazing truth about how God used Israel to bring salvation to the entire Gentile world, he explains to his reader how God from the beginning of the earth, from before the foundation of the world, Christ had already been considered a sacrifice. He had already planned salvation and he was going to use natural minded men to bring forth the miraculous salvation of all mankind. If you think about it, we wouldn't do it that way. I often think, God, do you not think about how lousy we are at this sometimes? (laughs) (laughs) Do you realize I think my own thoughts sometimes? but God loves us and he trusts us and he knows he lives in the of us. And as we submit ourselves to him, we can think his thoughts and bring forth his kingdom. So in chapter 11, that's what's going on. And at the end of chapter 11, this is the apostle Paul expounding why, why it's so important for us to know God's thoughts. Starting with verse 33. Oh, how deep are the riches of God, and the wisdom and knowledge. Oh, how unfathomable are his decisions, and unexplainable his ways. I love that. How many times are you in a position, you're thinking, how am I gonna get out of this, Jesus? And he says, I have ways that are unexplainable. I can get you out just like that. I can change the way you think. I can change the way they think. And he goes on, who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has become his advisor? nobody (laughs) or who has given him something only to have him pay it back in other words we can't outgive him he says i will never be your debtor i will always over bless you you can't put me in your debt for all things are from him by him and for him glory belongs to him forever all things are from him he has created all things He's the one that came up with the whole salvation-heavy relationship with human beings idea. <laughs> it is from him. It is through him. Because mankind would never seek his own salvation apart from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that allows us to open our eyes to see the truth that we need a Savior. It is from him. It is through him. And it is for him. He so loved the world that he said, I will not live without you. I will make a way so that we can live together forever. And because he is all of this, because he has done all of these wonderful things, because that is how magnificent he is, he says, All glory belongs to him. No glory goes to any man. All the glory goes to God. In chapter 12, verse 1, he says, I beseech ye therefore, and therefore means back up and see what was there. He says, because of this, because I've just expounded to you how wonderful and magnificent this God is, is in view of how much He loves us, of how incredible He is, how powerful He is. In view of all of that, He says, "I beseech you," that means I beg you, please, please, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He goes on in verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When Paul says, in view of the mercies of God, in other words, all the mercies he's just extolled, he says, when you look at this, when you look at how magnificent God is and how much he loves us, he says, look at that, and then understand that it is all because of his great compassion for us. His mercies speak of his great compassion, which includes the idea of answering our suffering. You see, mankind has always suffered under the power of the evil one. And God hates suffering. That's why it's not one of his tools in his toolbox. He doesn't bring suffering. He says, this world has enough of that. I don't use it. He says, I use compassion. I use the love that enters into how you are suffering and says, I will not leave you in your suffering. I will bring you out because of my great love. That's God's compassion. It is to answer what hurts in our life. Compassion moves. Compassion does. Compassion answers. And he says, God, through Christ, has answered our suffering. And he's done all of that by sending Jesus. Jesus has already rescued us from all the power of the evil one. He has already translated us into the kingdom by placing us into Christ's death and raising us up from the dead. I'm so glad God killed me. So glad God killed me off and raised me from the dead. That's the kind of mentality we need. It's an inside out mentality. I've already died and I'm not dying anymore. I'm going to live and declare the glory of God. And then he says, present, the word present means to offer. It also means to place at hand for someone's usage. In other words, we can make ourselves available for God to live and work through us. It's a choice. We can be at hand for his purposes. This word offer and present is the same word used in Luke chapter 2 verse 22 when Mary and Joseph went to present Jesus at the temple went to dedicate him to God. It says this, and when the days of her purification According to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. It has the exact same meaning of being placed in a place where you are available for God to do in you and through you, his plan and purpose. We call it being dedicated. We dedicate babies to the Lord. God, we want your plan and purpose to be fulfilled in them. We dedicate them, but we also dedicate ourselves In Webster's it says this, to set apart to a divine being, or to a sacred purpose, to devote for sacred use. It's something we do in response to what God has done for us. God has already purchased our bodies as his own. He doesn't really need us to give them to him, they're his. (laughs) But since we are co-rulers and co-heirs with Christ, he wants us of our own free will To give Him the controlling interest in our bodies because of how much we love Him and how much He loves us. So Paul tells us that in the light of all the glorious things that God is and all that He has done to present ourselves as that living sacrifice. A living sacrifice is a very unusual thing. (laughs) According to a Jew, a sacrifice was something you killed and offered. There is a living sacrifice, and it doesn't atone for sin. The only kind of offering we can give is a thanksgiving offering, a peace offering. It is out of gratitude and dedication to who He is that we can offer ourselves. So the word sacrifice implies that what we give to God is something we consider valuable. So we offer God our bodies because it represents us as a whole. It is us giving all of ourselves into God's hand as an act of worship because we are so thankful for all that he's done for us because of his great love and compassion for us. Have you ever wanted to put yourself in the offering plate? Mm-hmm. I have. I have. You're in church, you're worshiping, and the plate comes by. You're like, I don't have anything. I remember a time in my life I had no money my heart so wanted to give God something. I was like, if I could, I would just put my whole stuff right in the offering plate, Jesus. (laughs) Here, take all of me. Because I was so grateful for what he had done. But what could I possibly give to God? After all, he owns everything. You see, our giving isn't us really giving him something. It's us presenting ourselves to make ourselves available (laughs) to him. I remember thinking, I was so overwhelmed with, how much He loved me and how grateful I was that I wasn't going to hell. And I remember thinking, I hope my offering is enough. I hope it's good enough. You see, way back then, I didn't understand grace. I thought I had to make myself acceptable. I thought I had to make myself holy. I didn't have an inside-out mentality. I had a, if I do the right things outwardly, that makes me holy. I remember going, I hope you're pleased with me. Here I am. Take me. (laughs) Take all of me. (laughs) And what the Lord said to me one day, he says, you know, that's all I ever really wanted from you, is that you would just present yourself, all that you are, into my hand, into my love, into my care, into my kingdom. He says, that's really all I've ever wanted from you. You see, God doesn't want to rule over us. He wants to rule with us in order to rule with us, he needs our full cooperation. God will not overrule us. He won't command us to do anything. I don't know if you've noticed. (laughs) He doesn't go around barking orders at us. He invites us to walk in the kingdom. He invites us to walk in his power. He invites us, but he never commands us. When we continually cooperate with God and yield our bodies, which includes our brain, your brain is natural. (laughs) We don't have the brain of Jesus. We have the mind of Jesus. I wouldn't mind having the brain of Jesus, (laughs) but he renews our brain. He renews our mind. When we continuously cooperate with God and yield our bodies, which includes our brain, to his love, his power, his wisdom, his truth, then he can demonstrate the reality of who he is in us, through us. It's an inside finished work. When i change changed my mind, when I cooperate, he comes out. That's the whole point of cooperating. So out comes the kingdom. <laughs> and it's us that stops the kingdom with our natural thinking. God will always let us choose who or what we want to be submitted to. Him and his love, or the natural part of us that's under the influence of the world. It really shouldn't be a hard choice, you know. But sometimes our natural thinking can get the best of us, especially if if it involves cheesecake or pizza. (laughs) Natural man can really mess things up. (laughs) But in Romans chapter 6, the Apostle Paul again tells us that what we do with our bodies is simply a matter of choosing who or what we want to yield ourselves to. Because we are always submitting ourselves to something. Either it will be the natural part of us, or it will be the spiritual part of us. In chapter 6, verse 19, he says this, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. It means your brain doesn't work very well. You might not get it. <laughs> That's what that means. <laughs> For just as you yielded your body parts as slaves to uncleanness and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now yield your body parts as slaves to righteousness, which results in holiness. Basically, the Apostle Paul is telling us that in the same way that our old nature constantly pushed us into sin, which just led to more sin, the new nature, the Holy Spirit will pull on us. He doesn't push. He invites. He pulls on us. He tries to convince us to do things His way, pulls on us to choose the ways of righteousness. And then our righteousness that's already on us on the inside will produce what they call holiness on the outside. We have been made holy. We've been set apart unto Christ. We are holy. But when what we are on the inside shows up on the outside, it's called holiness. It means other people can see the reality of God in your life. The word slave so often has a negative connotation, but it can also have a good connotation. Before we were saved, sin was our master, and it drove us to yield ourselves to more and more sin. But now love himself is our master. And it is his love in us and his love for us that compels us to want to yield ourselves to him more and more. Paul says that the yielding of our bodies and our mind to Christ is our reasonable service. What that means is that in the light of all that God has done, in the light of our Father's extravagant loving kindness, in the light of the complete sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf, the only logical response is worship by giving ourselves completely unto Him and to make ourselves completely available continuously. This is not something God demands. This is something that happens on the inside of us as we look into the face of our Jesus and our gracious Heavenly Father. When we behold the truth of God's grace and God's love and God's mercy, it changes us and it invokes in us praise and worship and thanksgiving. And after he says, this is your reasonable service, this is the only logical response. Remember, he's not demanding us to do something. He says, if you see the truth of who Jesus is and how much your father loves you, you won't be able to keep yourself from worshiping him with all that you are. The apostle Paul continues in verse two, and it says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The word here, conformed, refers to being pushed into somebody else's mold. In other words, the world thinks a certain way, and they're going to put pressure on you to accept their points of view. They're going to put pressure on you to accept what they think is right and wrong. It's a pushing, it's a driving, it's a rebellious, you know, it's, you will do it my way kind of thing. That's the world's attitude. That's why he says, don't let the world push you into looking just like them and acting just like him. It means to be pushed into the same pattern as someone else or something else. It means to be pushed into thinking and acting the same way the world does. When I saw this, I thought about when I was a teenager. You know how teenagers are? They're always trying on somebody they know. (laughs) They hang around with somebody who's good, they come home acting like the kid who is good. They hang around with a bad kid, they come home acting like the bad kid. (laughs) They're always trying to be whoever they are with. Okay. So what happens is teenagers let the world and their friends push them into being what they are and he says don't let that happen don't let that happen to you don't let the world tell you what you are supposed to be he says and there's a very good reason for this because the purpose of conforming is to reduce the likeness of christ in you that's the purpose of the world to push you into looking like them instead of displaying the glory of who jesus is you are unique There is not another one of you ever, ever created. He says, I have given you your own unique glory. I've created you in my image. Twice, (laughs) physically and spiritually. You look like Jesus. You look like Jesus. He says, you display my creativity. You display my goodness just by you being the best you there is. That's why we don't want to be what somebody else is. So this is an inside out mentality what we are inwardly is Christ we look like him we have his glory that he created us we have the glory of who he is on the inside of us And he says don't let the world push you into looking like them in 2 Corinthians 318 the Apostle Paul says this but we with an open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord the glory of the Lord is the manifestation of God's person. You manifest God's person just by being, just because He created you. But then there's more who He is in us. His person lives inside of us. And so when we cooperate, He shows up, He shows off. I love it when I come to church, I hear people having conversations. And I, oh, there's Jesus in and, and Steve this morning. Oh, there's Jesus in Michelle. All these different flavors of Jesus. All his glory, his person, his personality being demonstrated through us. That's what he has in mind. That he be demonstrated and glorified. He is a seen and revealed in who he is through us. When he reveals himself to us, we see the splendor or glory of who he is. And then the revelation of who he is changes us and transforms us from being glorious to being even more glorious. That's what renewing our mind does. We begin to display the glory of God more and more. The more we renew our mind to think like God, the more Jesus is seen. The world go, look, Jesus is all over you. I see him in you, I hear him in you. His glory is made real for other people to see. So the Apostle Paul is saying, don't let the world hide your glory and your Christ-likeness by pushing you to think and act like them. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now the word transformed is an interesting word. Most every Christian has heard a message on renewing your mind, and the word metamorphosis, which means to be transformed outwardly. That's exactly what it means. It means the outside of us changes. That's an interesting thing. The whole point of metamorphosis is that the outside looks completely different. (laughs) And that's the whole point. When the change is inward, it shows up on the outside. And that's metamorphosis. But I found a really interesting thing about this word metamorphosis. In zoology it is the process of changing or transforming from an immature form to an adult form in two or more distinct stages. In other words, a caterpillar is not a completely different species from a butterfly. The caterpillar is the baby and the butterfly is the adult. You see, sometimes our thinking is like the caterpillar. (laughs) We have baby thinking. We don't have inside-out thinking. We don't have glory-of-God thinking. We think we're little caterpillars. And so we think from outside in. But God says, as you renew your mind, your life will change outwardly because who you are is maturing. The more we mature in Christ, the more we look like Christ. It's not like you were bad to start with and now you're good. (laughs) He says, no, no, no. We all start as babies in Christ. We're carnal. We think natural thoughts mostly. He says, but as you renew your minds to the truth of who I am and what I've done for you and who you are to me, he says, you'll begin to soar like butterflies. You will change outwardly and display more and more of his glory. What in your life do you need or want to see changed outwardly? Outward changes come from inside-out mentalities. If we change our minds, we change our life. That's the Word of God. If we change our mind, we change our life. There's no ifs, there's no conditions. If you change your mind to think like God, your life will change. No ifs, no ands, no buts. Paul says that the outward change comes by renewing and renovating our minds. It's something that he says is continuous. He doesn't say renew your mind and be done with it. Nope. (laughs) Continuously renewing our mind to think like God. It implies that we are constantly taking out and tearing down the old natural ways of thinking and getting rid of whatever is contrary to the truth of God's word. Now that doesn't mean that we always have our nose in the Bible. It simply means that we submit our thoughts to the Holy Spirit all of the time. We ask him to show us, is this me God? Or is this you, God? We ask him to show us, are these thoughts in cahoots with my flesh? (laughs) Or are these thoughts part of your kingdom that you're trying to release into my life? We get to choose who and what we submit to. We can submit to our flesh and inadvertently submit to Satan. Or we can submit to the spirit of God, the truth of God, and change our lives from the inside out. Paul ends by saying that as we submit our bodies and our thoughts to the indwelling Holy Spirit, we will be able to discern what God's good, acceptable, and perfect will is for our lives. Good means beneficial, acceptable means well-pleasing, and perfect means complete. Our natural thinking, our outside-in mentality, our letting our bodies boss us around mentality can keep us from experiencing all that God has waiting for us in the kingdom. Or we can choose to change the way we think on purpose. God will not overrule. He wants to co-rule. He can't rule in your life if you're not co-ruling with him. He says, make yourself available. Just always be available so that my power, my glory, my presence can be seen. He says, that's the whole point, that we can walk in everything God has for us god's will for us is complete and perfect and beneficial how many of us are not walking in the good complete and perfect will of god for our lives too many (laughs) because of our natural thinking creeps in and steals our ability to continuously walk in all that god has for us continuously releasing the kingdom of god today we sang the song everything is mine in you it's a song that we sing to god everything Everything is mine that's in you. And that's what God is saying to us. Everything that's mine is in you. Everything that's mine is in you. It's an inside-out mentality. And we won't think that way on accident. We have to choose it. We have to choose it. We have to decide, I am more than a conqueror. I will rule and reign in Christ in my life. Not the world. Not my past. None of that. Who I am in Christ and what he is and who he is in me is my portion and I'm going to take it. Amen? Father God, I thank you for the truth of your word that as we see and understand and know this amazing grace of yours, that we understand how much you love us. You have such great compassion for us that you answer our suffering. And that answer is Jesus. If it's suffering in our body or in our mind or or in our finances, that suffering says, I have answered it through Jesus. You can have the answer through Jesus because everything in Jesus belongs to us. Father God, I ask that you remind us that this is so easy to fall into natural outside thinking. But Father God, I ask that you help us, that you by the Holy Spirit will remind us to check our thinking. God, is this you or is this me? Is this just natural thinking? Or is this the plan and purposes of God for my life? Father God, I thank you that you have made us able to hear you. We hear you. We do. Father God, I thank you that you have given us ears to hear and hearts to receive. And Father God, we receive this truth. We receive the ability to walk out your will for our lives that we really will apprehend in our kingdom and bring out into our life your perfect will, your perfect plans for us. and Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you never leave us, you never forsake us. You always help us. You call us to think higher. You call us to live higher. You call us to walk in the fullness of who you are. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen.